Welcome to your Locked on SEC football podcast. We are up and rolling. It is game week. Chris, it feels pretty good, doesn't it? It does. We get, uh, you know, obviously one game with Florida, the Florida Gators getting in, uh, getting started, getting everybody started. They and Miami and uh, at, um, of course, Arizona, Hawaii out uh, out west. So, yes, it's uh, week zero is uh, finally here. The preparation is um, really interesting uh, how things are headed. And obviously for everyone else, pretty much everyone else, Dave, is getting started the next week. So. Uh, we're close to getting into game plan mode for everybody as they're starting to kind of hone in on their opponents. Could you see more teams playing these week zero games? It kind of reminds me of those old kickoff classics a little bit that used to have some pretty good matchups. Well, I mean, we did, but, you know, the, the kickoff classics became what we've seen in the Chick-fil-A preseason bowl. I mean, so that – it's actually it's actually happened. Um, it, it was just that it's been moved up even further. It used to be that that the Chick Fil A game, what is now kind of the Chick Fil A game or whatever it's called, um, and the the Dallas game that's now sponsored, that was the kickoff classic. It used to be in New Jersey. I've been went to several of them. It used to be the the old Meadowlands. Um, so that's that is the preseason. Now what they've done is just moved it up a week earlier, um, and just. <laughs> You know, could I see it being sponsored and we have more Week Zero games? Sure, I could. It'd get you into camp a little sooner and maybe get you, you know, a week, uh, another open date, maybe an open date maybe sooner in your schedule after three or four games. I mean, look, if you look at your schedule with the way that you can make your own schedules – you know, you could see that maybe strategically being part of what you want to do. The difficulty is that is if you're a program like an established program, like a program that's going to be good every year, well, then it makes some sense to do a, a, a game like that to where you really can get a good opponent, test yourself. I find it really in, in, uh, enhances your off-season conditioning program when you've got a bigger game to focus on to start the season. Um, but if you're not one of those programs, um, you're running the risk of starting out 0-1. I mean, if you're, if you're to me, if, the, if you're Alabama, you do that every year, which they do. If you're, you know, I don't know if you're an Ole Miss or Mississippi State or in Arkansas, do you want to do that? Well, you're you likely going to start off 0-1. And so, how do you how do you want to deal with it? I, I think in most cases, you'd like to, you know, and if you're somewhere in between, how good of a team are you going to have? You're going to have a senior late a senior laden team. Well, when you make these schedules eight nine years down the road, you don't know what's going to happen, how your team's going to be seven or eight years down the road. If you made the schedules in a more reasonable setting, you could maybe do it strategically and say, you know what, we're likely going to have a really good team, an experienced team. Let's play one of those games. Or you might say, no, we'll be breaking a lot of new young players that year. Let's have us a winnable first game to kind of get our feet wet before we're starting it. So I think strategically, you know, I think you can go both ways with it. But the really established teams, it makes a lot of sense. Well, and I'm curious, by the week zero, as a former coach, do you prefer having – do you start – 
preseason camp a little bit earlier, but you have that extra buy in there. Is that schedule more conducive to overall player health, um, having an extra buy, spreading it out, or is it about the same? I think what it does, it gives you an added chance with another open date to get a player back from an injury or to heal from something that happens in the early part of the season. Um, it enhances your chances of getting them back sooner. Uh, you know, if you have a, if you throw in a, an open date somewhere within the say first four or five weeks of the season, uh, it gives you it gives you that obviously that extra week where you're not playing anybody. That if you got somebody, you can get back. So I don't know that it helps you in terms of health. It just gives you you're starting a little bit earlier. I don't think it's ideal for certain programs like Florida and Miami to be out earlier practicing in the, the heat and humidity, although when you have indoor facilities, it allows you to get away from some of that heat. It would make more sense if you were in the uh, upper Midwest uh, where the humidity is not as bad and they, everybody's dealing with the heat this summer, but it is less of an issue like uh, near the Pacific Coast or in the upper Midwest, particularly near water, um, if you were the Wisconsin's, the Illinois, the Michigan's of the world, it, getting into early practices uh, are not going to affect you as much and take as much out of you if you're practicing outside. But a lot of these bigger-time programs can go inside, get some work done. So we've got news out of Alabama. It was another scrimmage Saturday. Also, LSU, Auburn, we're all over the conference. Arkansas with a serious injury. They'll have to be without a key player this year, and uh, news out of South Carolina, Georgia. So we are absolutely everywhere today. And first, I want to remind you, for your Locked On SEC football podcast, comes from Manscaped, the number one's men below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Precision engineered tools for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. 20% off Manscaped.com with the promo code Locked on. Another injury in the backfield for Alabama. Jerome Ford with a sprained ankle. How bad is this for the top? I don't know yet. I I don't think it's going to be significant, um, but he's going to have to spend some time on the sideline rehabbing. They do a really good job. I don't know if it's a high ankle strain or not. Obviously, they're fine with Harris and Robinson. The guy to keep an eye out on, though, is Keelan Robinson. Um, He's the one that's getting a lot of extra work in in the absence of a couple of these injuries. And um, we talk about it that if you're going to have the injury, it's never good to have these injuries. But if you do, if you have them a little bit earlier, you got more time to get guys ready to go than if it happened like in week one or week two. Then you're trying to get guys ready to go in a, in a game preparation. So I think they'll be fine. but um, And I don't think Ford's going to be out an extended period, but I think they're going to treat it as if he is. And Keelan Robinson, remember that name, he's somebody that is going to be in the rotation. Normally what Alabama does is, you know, use the guys in rotation to a degree, but they're mostly a feature back type of team to where they get one guy the majority of the carry. So it's Harris, it's Robinson, and then we're going to see Brian Robinson. Then we'll see if Keelan can end up being that – that, that, that third role and, and how that plays out, or 
if Ford uh, comes back and, uh, and and can can take over that third spot. They they're in good position, um, just dealing with some injuries like a lot of people are doing right now. Xavier McKinney at safety, you said could use a little improvement on his technique despite being one of the top safeties in the nation. Yeah, I think one of the things that you've got to learn to do, you know, is when I see him, I see good burst coming out of his pedal, good range. You know, we talk a lot about the lowering of the head and and people hate because it's the targeting. We're in an era of football where we're – we're kind of reduced to having to deal with that, that penalties in the game. But, you know, he's kind of victim of not bringing his feet as well as he needs to. And he misses uh, a lot of some short area movement routes. Um, so he's got to do a better job of that. But still a really good player. Uh, and is, I think, going to have an outstanding season. But excited to see him. I want to see him improve in that area. He was, uh, uh, was defensive MVP of the Orange Bowl last year. Got a chance to be a really good player at the next level, but that's kind of how I see uh, a spot that he needs to improve upon. And from a um, down the road perspective, perhaps is Jordan Battle that that next really good Alabama defensive back at safety? Well, I think he can be. I mean, he's certainly somebody that they targeted when they looked at him. He's somebody that can be a really good player. That's got good range. He's got good athletic ability. Um, so I think they're really excited about what he can be. And then I want to turn to junior defensive end LeBron Ray, 21 total defensive stops uh, last year, but uh, a little bit of uh, issues off the field. Your, your thoughts on where he stands in the pecking order? Of well, I had a public intoxication nearly in January, and he's had the ankle injury, which kind of sidelined him over the summer. And, um you know, I, I think that the, one of the things with him is a little bit of a maturity issue with some of these young guys. It's kind of where it falls in with him. Um, this guy's pretty good against the run, plays with heavy hands, um, can really throw off blockers. Um, I, I think the guy has a lot of ability, uh, but, you know, he needs to mature a little bit. And then Christian Harris, inside linebacker um, at Alabama. You think he's a starter this season? Well, listen, uh, here's the thing. It's another Josh McMillan is injured, so they kind of rotate guys a little bit. Um, he's going to be inside backer because Josh is someone that played on the weak side, but Nickel moved inside. So uh, he's the, the guy that's looked the best in terms of the snaps um, to play alongside Dylan Moses. So, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that's really talented, um, and they got a lot of high hopes for it, but he's really kind of taken the bull by the horns a little bit. If you remember him, he's a kid that um, was an A&M commitment. Then he flipped there. So uh, he's the next man up, and uh, he's certainly doing a good job here in this, this last the few days of practice since Josh's uh, injury. And then you got uh, an interesting competition at center with a guy that I covered in recruiting, Landon Dickerson, transfers from Florida State to Alabama, probably to – uh, I would say compete for championships would be the reason there. But um, uh, he, he, you say, is really tough. I know him from covering him. He's he's a very smart player. So he comes mm-hmm. to Alabama as a graduate transfer. Could he? Um, could he actually win that job? He could. You know, I think uh, it's still you know Chris Owens' job to lose. He's got the experience and certainly uh, more reps, but. This kid, Landon Dickerson, has done a really good job in um, 
going to provide some depth and certainly, uh, you know, some push for, you know, who's going to get the job. I think this is this is really what's key about how programs get really good is when you have really good players um, and you put them in a competitive situation, um, the cream rises to the top here. And I think Landon's done a really good job, and I think he's going to help them. And I think they feel a lot better about uh, their interior offensive line position, particularly the center position. The difficulty is, you know, you've got to deal with some of the protection calls, but you can work around that with getting some of the more experienced guys at guard to help with that. Coming up, we got news out of LSU. Also, uh, news out of Auburn, a serious injury at Arkansas. So a lot to get to. Stay tuned. Your Locked On SEC Football Podcast is now. More after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. You have got to check out that website. No more about the NFL, no more about college, recruiting the whole nine yards right there at LandryFootball.com. Good day for the quarterbacks over the weekend at LSU. Yeah, Miles Brennan did a nice job. Of course, they're saying that he's they're going to have a role for him, and he's going to play significant time. And you know, we'll we'll have to see how that plays out and what if that means, uh, what does it mean in terms of just mop up duty, what have you. But he did a nice job. He put on a little bit of weight. Still, has got a ways to go there, but um, did a nice job. Threw the football well. Um, uh, I thought had good tempo with the offense. So, what did you see? Um, what type of a trust level do I have with them? And, you know, I think one of these watching of this offense is one of the interesting storylines of the season. Um, you know, they got Georgia Southern, and that's a um, interesting matchup and a difficult one to prepare for defensively against that offense. But seeing what they're going to do offensively in that first week before they, uh, they have to go to Texas and play the Longhorns, uh, that's going to be one of the certainly interesting storylines in this conference is, what is LSU offense really going to look like, and how quickly are they going to look like it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious on that. Um, philosophically, you may get a change of pace, a different look at quarterback, but you also take uh, the ball out of the hands of Joe Burrow, which I think, you know, he may not be elite, but I think most of us think that he's definitely top half uh, of quarterbacks in the SEC. So your thoughts on that? How much do you really want to take the ball out of his hands? Well, I don't think you ever want to take it out of a quarterback's hands if you've got good rhythm uh, and good rhythm going in the game. However, you know, a lot of times the rhythm is perpetuated by what you're doing, how you're doing it against a certain defensive look. Um, and then defensively, people make changes. I mean, stop me if you've heard me you heard this before. I can't believe it. They were doing such and such, and they stopped doing it. You know, I don't understand that. Why do they just keep doing it? Because what the defense was doing, when you had the success, they're not doing. They've adjusted to it. So in, in this case, with a quarterback and making a change, um, I think you can affect your rhythm. I think you got to be cognizant of, the, of not doing that. But by the same token, you've got to prepare your, your team in, in the event that your starting quarterback goes down. And I think in certain games and certain situations – you need to do it. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're playing Auburn in, in a in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, now's not the time to sit there and say, ah, 
we'll see what Miles can do here. If Joe's moving the team, I mean, you don't want to break that rhythm. That that makes no sense. And I, I've seen coaches make some mistakes in doing that. Here's the other thing that's going to play into it more and more is the uh, in in the eyes of coaches trying to protect a kid from transferring is the problem. I don't know if Ed is, you know, seriously planning on playing Miles a lot or is he saying it and just, uh, well, because you know he's going to get asked the question, you know, when is Miles going to play? You said he's going to play a lot. And does it really happen or doesn't it? Because here's the thing. Joe Burrow's a senior. They don't have a proven quarterback. That You're going to have Miles Brennan going into his junior year with – Limited snaps, but the only snaps you got. Do you want to go into next football season? I know we we're not we're jumping ahead, but but this is what coaches have to look ahead to. Is I mean we we could you can absolutely see LSU collapsing next year. They don't have quarterback, and while they're not going to be beholden to a you know a quarterback, and they're going to they're going to play good defense and run the football, they're not going to when I say collapse. I mean, you know, if you're talking about, well, maybe they can win 10 this year, well, I mean, you know, you you put take Miles Brennan out of the situation. You, you got no quarterback. Now they're hunting for a transfer guy. I mean, you see where I'm going with it. So I think a lot of it is to keep guys engaged, but I think you also need to you know, prepare guys. I mean, I, I think you have to prepare your number two because your number two is your number one uh, at, at any at any snap. You know, your number two is now your number one guy, and and where are you then? I think you have to think about that for this season, but also start to think, you start to think about it from a head coaching standpoint, from a roster management. I think probably he maybe got caught into saying something. I'm sure he's got intentions of playing Miles Brennan, but again, in the right situation is the key. I guess he was asked about it, and, you know, what are you going to say, you know, back two months ago? Um, no, I don't think we're going to play Miles unless we have to. Well, that's not necessarily something you want to put out there for the kid to hear. And he's thinking, well, I'm I'm out of here, you know. And and all of a sudden, there you go. You got nothing. Yeah, true. And we've talked so much about Auburn's quarterback situation. It's one of the top stories in the SEC. But we don't talk about who they're going to throw to quite as often. And they've got a lot of flux in that wide receiver group. They do. Uh, <clears throat> I think that um, when you look at guys, Seth Williams is a guy, of course, he returned to practice on Saturday, and he's really, you know, back from an injury. He's missed some practice. He had a back issue, but he is really doing a good job, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy they expect to be full goal against Auburn. Um, well, Hastings is going to practice. um Back this week, he's had an issue with a little bit of a knee. But, yeah, they, they're encouraged by what they've got there. They think they've got some good speed. They've got some playmaking ability. So uh, I, I think that uh, they're excited about where things are headed. I, you know, I'm curious to see what they're able to do in this offense. The passing game is very rudimentary. And it's about a couple of routes and mainly the vertical routes being able to get open against man coverage because they force you to overpopulate the box to defend the run. 
So uh, it'll be interesting to see and uh, keep remember the name in particular, Seth Williams, and, and what he could potentially be for this Auburn offense. Speaking of receivers, Arkansas with an injury. You hate to see guys get hurt uh, in uh, preseason camp, but it's an ACL. Looks like Deion Stewart's done. Yeah, it looks like he's gone for the year. He's likely going to be a starter. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's it's not an experienced group. They've got a number of young guys, so they've got guys in the rotation. Um, you know, they've got, when you look at it, they just don't have the experience. I think the Stoudemire kid's the only kid that uh, that's uh, healthy among the upperclassmen, at least the seniors anyway. So um, it's a position they've recruited well. They're going to have to rely on some young guys, and um, they're going to have to outscore people, I think, in Arkansas. I, you know, I know that, you know, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know what fans see sometimes in, but I, I guess – Dave, you, you've dealt with it doing talk shows all of your life. But, I mean, I, I sit there and, and you want to be encouraging about, hey, where Arkansas is and where they're going. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I just don't see many wins on their schedule. I mean, I think they'll be better. I think they'll be competitive. But, you know, people are saying, oh, man, uh, we're look out for Arkansas. We're going to be a contender in the West. I mean, they, they're just so far away from being a contender. Uh, you hope that maybe, maybe they can get to the point um, where they can do a better job of, you know, cleaning up things to where they don't lose to a Colorado State or a San Jose State. You know, you do that in the Western Kentucky, they've got a schedule um, where they've, in my opinion, got four wins they should definitely have to maybe they can beat a couple of people, surprise some people, and go to a bowl game. That would be a tremendous feat this year if they could get that done. I'm not sure that they will, but there's just not they're not further enough along uh, to be much more than that. But if they can get six, that would be great. Seven would be phenomenal. Well, and you're not just rebuilding a roster; you're flipping a roster. I mean, these, these players were recruited to uh, play a power style with Brett Bielema. They weren't recruited to play a spread attack. And you kind of in reverse, you've seen the same thing at, at Tennessee. So. It's not just step in and work with what you got. It's, no, this is not the tools I wanted. And no doubt about it. I mean, it's a completely different dynamic. And they're going to have to do a better job of getting a few more elite defensive players. I've said it all along. The high mortar mark for Chad Morris at Arkansas is to do along the lines of what Hugh Freeze um, did at Ole Miss. Yep. Recruit, recruit some defensive okay. players. That could that could make some big time plays, and then have an offense that can outscore you. That's what Arkansas is going to have to be under Chad, because that's what Chad is an offensive guy, and he's going to be tempo and move it. But you know that is going to maybe be good enough if you schedule well or easy enough is what I'm saying. That's the code for well. If you schedule easy, then yeah, you can go to bowl games. But you know, are you going to make any uh, strides in the conference? Not unless you get some get better at the line of scrimmage, and they're not a good line of scrimmage team. In fact, they're right with Arkansas as the worst. Absolutely, there we go. Stay tuned. <clears throat> Coming up, we've got news out of Georgia. It was a scrimmage Saturday for teams across the SEC. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Rolls on after this. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Kirby Smart impressed with a freshman running back, uh, Kenny McIntosh. I don't know how much he'll play this year, but um, clearly the lineage of great running backs at Georgia seems to be continuing. There's no doubt. They've got the best running back room talent-wise in the country and uh, Kenny's another one of those guys that uh, you know is really good, and he, I don't know that he's going to make the the travel squad or not when they play when they have this bring the seventy man um, squad on the road. He, it's that deep there, but he was very impressed. It was kind of the one of the stars of the scrimmage, um, and he's going to have to be a great special teams player. This is where you always tell young guys like this: make your mark on special teams. It's the key to playing early. And it's the key, you know, if you can handle assignments, you can show effort, you can show toughness, you can show your reliability, then, you know, what you do on special teams translates to what you do on offense or defense. And it shows athletic ability. It shows, again, ability to kind of retain and learn. The other thing I tell them is you got to be a standout on special teams. you got to give your team the best look as they prepare for that upcoming opponent. And very often, that's what happens. In college, not so much in the NFL, but in college, sometimes you're better players, more athletic guys, or you're younger guys, but they're not quite ready. Well, all of a sudden, they start giving a really good look. you got a defensive front player that can't be blocked and scout team consistently. All of a sudden, you start looking, hmm, we need to get in more reps in our defense. Or a guy that's a really good blocker or a really good back or a really good receiver, uh, a standout on um, on scout team pre- preparation each week is the key to working your way up the depth chart and maybe kind of working your way through a very logjam, uh, talented uh, position group. Then South Carolina, uh, freshman defensive lineman, uh, Zach Pickens is certainly – um, giving reason to uh, take note of him. Yeah, I've talked about him all offseason, how I like him. I think the rotation on the defensive group is really good at South Carolina. Um, you know, he's a really good young talent. He gets off the ball very well. He's worked really hard, and he's, you know, what we call playing fast now. He understands what he's doing a little bit better. I think he's the most gifted of all their defensive linemen, even though he's young. So remember the name, Zach Pickens, and kind of keep an eye out how he progresses this year, how much he plays early relative to how much he plays middle and late in the year. I think he's the most gifted um, defensive lineman as a pass rusher anyway for South Carolina. So I'm curious to see how he develops throughout the year. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We are just days away from the college football season starting. How awesome is that? Stay tuned. Your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He is Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Have a fantastic day, everyone.